Boom, and we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with the great Dr. Bear, Paul Lando, coming to you live and direct from the beautiful Smith River up here in the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme. Um, we actually were just talking before we hit record uh, with our guest, Steve Young, that he uh, was getting some snow over where he is in Scotland. And we actually had some big flakes coming down a couple of days ago here in the morning um, and getting some weather finally after like a month and a half of dry, very dry conditions uh, and actually abnormally warm conditions. We uh, I got geoengineering, the, the geoengineered conditions. Um, uh, however, bear, uh, without, and we'll, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit, I think on this show, because it'll fit well, but I had the power wand out over the weekend. I set it out blasting certain frequencies and literally the next day we had like dark, dark, thick clouds come over right over Gasky here and rain on us. So very, very interesting. And now I'm looking for, looking forward on the weather uh, projections and we're looking at uh, a nice storm front coming in, not saying it's me, but I think there are things happening here with the Oregon accumulators and that the earth pipes were installing up and down the coast, uh, starting to have a profound effect countering the geoengineering. So we have the power, guys, with just a little technology and a little know-how and wisdom. Um, we can turn this all around. Um, and I'm uh, Mike, as you and I have been talking, I'm getting uh, all the materials to make the cloud busters. And I think I'm going to do a bazooka version so I can... After I blast the ozone, I can just launch the cloud buster itself and nail the uh, the airplane right in the bow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have mentioned that to you in the past. Uh, the ability to somehow use laser weaponry or something. We're gonna get we're gonna get in big trouble here. Uh, okay, <laughs> we won't go there right now. Um, but it's hard not to get pissed off when you're looking up in the sky and it's very obvious what they're doing and it's it's that's probably part of the psyop right there is to get in, you hit you on those lower emotional planes to get you to generating that anger and the fear um and knowing that they're messing with stuff so uh that being but said one, um sorry to keep interrupting your flow but one bit of wisdom that deb shared with me early on in our years together is it's much better to be pissed off than pissed on that makes a lot of sense, uh, except some of our Shivambu friends might think differently, but that's another, <laughs> that's another topic. Okay. okay. Do your thing. Sorry. I want to yeah, know. No worries, bro. Um, yeah. Shiv For those who don't know Shivambu, that's the magical uh, art of drinking your own piss, which Bear is not doing right there. Uh, his <laughs> urine is a beautiful golden color. Not so clear, I assume. Smith River um, water. Smith River water, baby. That's the piss of the gods. Um, yeah, so the nectar of the gods. Um, but yeah, everything's going great up here. We've, uh, we have uh, more people visiting this weekend. Uh, the community is growing. For those new to the podcast, uh, new to AlphaCast, you can find out more about Alpha Vedic on our website, alfavedic.com. Our telegram is just off the hook these days. That's t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic on Telegram, and then on Discord, alphavedic.com forward slash Discord. And as Bear mentioned, wrote up in our mailer this week, we are very excited to be moving off um, these centralized platforms uh, on a step-by-step -step basis. We're getting off the Patreon. We're getting off, we're already off PayPal. We're exiting the system, exit stage left. 
onto our own platform, getting more sovereign with our own technology. So the new alphabetic site will be launching shortly. Uh, Grant has been helping us out, who we met at Music and Sky, who's come on board to uh, donate time. Um, that's what it's all about. It's all about networking and community and helping each other out. And uh, we're very excited to see where that's going uh, in terms of getting off Patreon, getting off these other systems. Um, and then that's why we're on Be Sovereign now. Um, YouTube said we were naughty last week. So they put us in timeout and we, and we were like, boom, this is a perfect opportunity to do a soft launch on Sayer's new platform, Be Sovereign. Sayer's been a huge, huge backer of Alpha Vedic. He's been on the AlphaCast before. Um, he gets it. He sees where we're going in the world. And also he's really helped out with Cordal. And eventually we will be using the Cordal infrastructure backbone for uh, live streaming uh, uh, apps like Be Sovereign. So we will be getting there. It's step by step by step. So very exciting. Uh, today, we are extremely excited to have Steve Young on. Uh, as I said, pre-show, I've been trying to get this guy on AlphaCast for a few years now because um, not only is he brilliant, but also a talented DJ music producer and has a, a very interesting background, but he's just very aligned um, in uh, uh, basically his uh, mentality and overall uh, aesthetics about life and reality in general with what we talk about. Um, and so we, uh, <clears throat> we're we very excited to have him on. Um, any any uh, quick words, Bear, uh, from your end on from the farm or anything before we kick this in? No, I'm just uh, through my window here. I'm watching Mark Iver here for a couple of days. Uh, our good <laughs> friend, Mark, we call Mark Iver because he can make anything out of anything and it ends up being a work of art. So I'm looking out at my new lab here and he's setting the new countertops and stuff. So totally stoked. And he's always uh, uh, tremendously uplifting just to have around because he's uh, amazingly passionate about what he does and, and just comes up with crazy cool ideas all the time. So as uh, we're talking today, I'm also just enjoying watching him out my back window here. But uh, yeah, all's good. Mike, take it away. Okay, awesome. Love, love me some Mark time too. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, well, nuclear physicist turned music producer Steve Young, aka Headflux, takes us on a magical ride through the alchemy of music, mathematics, and time today. And actually very interested in getting into some time, trippy time stuff, because uh, um, I think that's becoming more and more uh, important to discuss as it seems like time is speeding up rapidly. Um, uh, how does a brilliant academician, did I say that right? Academician um, with a master's degree in theoretical physics and a PhD in nuclear physics become a music producer and a DJ. Uh, it will all make perfect sense after you hear renowned DJ Steve Young, a.k.a. Head Flux, tell his story. Um, and uh, we're on Be Sovereign today. Very excited to be on here. Um, as we said, YouTube uh, put us in the naughty, naughty room. So uh, thank you again, Sayer, for having us on. Um, and Steve, uh, here's a great quote. Harnessing the rationale, uh, the harnessing the rational to illuminate the transcendental. Um, yes, this particular episode is near and dear to our hearts. Uh, as a DJ myself for 20 plus years and bears experience in medicine and agriculture through the alchemical lens, um, we're very excited to talk to Steve. 
Uh, he uh, has um, basically has his own music label, uh, Luminous Music. He's released over uh, 70 tracks in 432 hertz, which we will talk about uh, in, uh, in depth here. Uh, tons of DJ mixes. And of course, the Audio Alchemy uh, annual retreat. My good friend, uh, uh, Xander Traveler, uh, who um, introduced me to Steve. And a shout out to Xander, who has been a big supporter for Alpha Vedic since day one. Um, uh, uh, actually went to Audio Alchemy, I think twice, Steve, and mm -hmm. uh, had just amazing things to say about that. Love to get into that a little bit. Uh, here's another great quote from Steve. Family is my roots and music is my fruit. And another one here. In my attempts to find scientific explanations for the shamanic experience, I was finally led toward the ancient art of alchemy. Artists and philosophers have for millennia contemplated the nature of truth and sought beautiful and enduring ways to express it, while the ruling classes have worked to hide, obscure, and distort it, preferring to keep the public divided in ignorance, right? The profane, as we're called. Mm -hmm. um, and as Bear is saying here, Steve is my new favorite maestro, and he'll be yours too when you check out his 432 Hertz Productions at Headflux and SoundCloud and on Bandcamp. And we will put all of those links down below. Plus he has his own platform you can join and he can discuss that a little bit today. But Bear, what a fun talk this is gonna be today. Oh, I know, I know, this is just, uh, this is just pure candy today. Um, <laughs> so Steve, thanks for being with us first off. And you know, usually when I do those, um, newsletters and do a write-up you know we're busy and you know I, I try to do a good job but with yours I ended up spending probably half the day because I just got lost in your music and read everything and I subscribed you know to your site and <laughs> I'm downloading music and and so anyway I, I made a, a fun half a day out of it so it, it was great and by the way uh, excellent diction there Michael when you're reading that <laughs> I messed up a couple words, but you know, what are you going to do? No, no, no. You're, you're stellar as usual. <clears throat> so, uh, so anyway, Steve, uh, this is going to be fantastic. And I know that the three of us, you know, Mike and you have, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the technical kind of uh, thing happening with each other. And then, uh, you know, I, the alchemical end is sort of, uh, you know, my domain. And I know the three of us could geek out forever here. So if we could maybe uh, make it meaningful to our audience. And, you know, I've been uh, really going uh, out of my way lately. And, you know, we did Anarchapoco lately. And uh, we also just, uh, the thing that got us off of YouTube is I did a whole thing about train and alchemy and it said some bad words in it, uh, contrary to the narrative. So um, the point, uh, though, is, you know, we're lost in this dichotomy of um, how things really work, you know, in our bodies, in the universe. And what I found out, I had some extraordinary experiences early on in my life with the shamanic type that, you know, you can't explain in, um, you know, scientism. And then also when I got into practice, I found out that everything that I learned in school, including traditional Chinese medicine, which is just a bastardized, standardized version that Chairman Mao left behind after his destruction. You know, that isn't the way they, you know, they were shamanistic, you know, mm -hmm. the old timers. So I had to go learn through other channels and things. But what I found out is uh, my experience in medicine, um, you know, didn't uh, pan out as far as how 
things were taught to me in more of my conventional trainings, alternative and conventional and regular medical school. So, um, so I had to look elsewhere and then, you know, lo and behold, um, everything I learned elsewhere that of course is, um, deemed superstitious, uh, paganism by the, by the gatekeepers there. Um, it actually works and it's actually <laughs> congruous and it yeah. actually makes a logical sense. Um, and it's duplicatable and, you know, all that good mm -hmm. stuff, the scientism claims to have a hold on. So, um, Let's see, maybe if you don't mind, could we just kind of break down what 432 hertz really means just for the, the lay folks and, and why it's so important? And then maybe segue that and, and then you guys go off on whatever technological kind of uh, tangent fun for you. And then uh, if we could maybe wind down to alchemy and really explain to the audience, which is what I've been trying to do, what that means and the fact that it's actually real science. Yeah. So thanks. And um, the mic's yours. Well, thank you so much for the great intro, guys. Um, well, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot there. Um, I had a similar experience to you after leaving academia, of course. Um, I Well, I mean, it, it all began when I realized I couldn't get a job. <laughs> you know, even though I had this uh, all this knowledge of uh, what I thought was fundamental science, uh, nuclear physics, quantum theory, um, all this stuff. Um, it just didn't seem, there didn't seem to be much use for it within, uh, you know, the real world of, of jobs and so on. So I, I kind of got into, um, uh, you know, just a different line of work, just the IT, you know, and all that kind of thing. But I kept on searching for, you know, that, that real science, you know, that real satisfying science. And when it came to alchemy, um, as I say, it, it deals with it deals with actual phenomena, you know, earth, air, fire, and water, like actual things that you can feel and hold and sense and, and, and transform and, 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 and mix and, you know, all, you, stuff that you can actually work with and that every, every human can, uh, you know, agree exists. <clears throat> and it, it just, it, I guess it, it exposed just how much of my education uh, was dealing with things that just you have no experience of you know they're just things that don't you know i would say don't exist they've been they've been invented um they're like concepts and ideas and you know a huge amount of uh the education is just ideas you know which don't really uh produce any fruits in the world um uh, as you know so obviously a lot of science does produce fruits and 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 that is kind of untouchable i mean you can't really you know you can't criticize electricity you can't criticize electromagnetism or you know optics and all these things i mean they they work they get better year after year they produce fruits they lead to useful things for for human beings but uh, a huge amount of of science just doesn't doesn't do that just doesn't really produce fruits and uh yeah anyway so like arriving at alchemy i mean coming from a point of view of a theoretical physicist um, when I learned about alchemy, I thought I'd discovered the theory of everything, you know, because <laughs> I was just like, this explains everything. Uh, but of course, uh, you know, people, people don't like it. They're, they're uncomfortable with it. They think it's uh, superstitious, you know, like ancient uh, um, pseudoscience um, or, you know, some kind of witchcraft or, you know, I'm like, no, it's just like the actual like elements of life. And how they how, how to transform them and, and evolve them and make them 
purer and stronger and better. You know, it's, uh, it's like the chemistry of life. Um, and, and I saw it as being, um, I saw music production as like being like a kind of alchemy, you know, with all these, all these different processes for pro processing frequencies um, and, and this, this kind of like starting from nothing and then working through step after step to get this like polished piece of music. Um, it all, I, when I first started looking at alchemy, I just saw that that is the process of making medicine. It's like the process of transforming energy into something which is useful or beautiful or beneficial or, or medicinal in some way for, for human beings. So that, that was kind of my journey to getting to alchemy. It was very intuitive when I started researching it. I just felt like it was, it was, it was what I went to university for, you know, that's what I was hoping to get, but I didn't get it at university. Um, it just came sort of many years later. So, but anyway, that, that was just a bit of an introduction to how I got to alchemy. But with the 432 thing, I mean, that, that started cropping up <clears throat> on the internet, I guess, uh, maybe like 10, 15 years ago, started seeing it um, around. And there was a, a lot of skepticism about it. But I mean, at the time, I just like to learn everything. I'm like, if, you know, if a bunch of musicians are saying there's a frequency that, that's better, then I want to know why they're saying that, you know. Um, and uh, so looking into it, it was, again, very controversial. I would post some stuff on social media and I would get totally like slayed for, for just like falling for, you know, just called gullible and all this kind of thing, you know. But um, I, I thought it was actually like really interesting mathematically. You know, this was the, this was the thing. The maths of 432 uh, is extremely interesting and harmonic. And uh, I, I started to realize that a lot of people aren't really looking. There was a few issues. Like a lot of people aren't looking at the math in depth. They're just thinking that all you're doing is tuning down, right? They're, they're, but there's a few things that... The way I see it that I think other people haven't really talked about is, and is that <clears throat> when you're making music or when you're building anything, whether it's music or a structure, you know, you, you're actually representing the numbers because the, the numbers are the most fundamental uh, thing. Everything stems from numbers. So you're, you know, you're representing numbers when you build. And, you know, if, if you were going to build a house, you you know, what size of brick would you use? You know, it would be one, right? One foot, one meter or one, you know, that would be, you wouldn't use 1.10463 size of a brick, right? Because then every brick would, you would have errors that would like build up over time. And, and essentially this is what we do with music now. We, we, we build up with these weird sort of shaped bricks. But when you go into 432, like true 432 tuning, all the frequencies join together like perfectly using whole numbers and whole number ratios. Uh, and this leads to a truly harmonic uh, system of, of, of numbers, uh, which we, we don't see in um, the standard 440 Hertz music. Um, so anyway, that, that was a bit of a, you know, bit of an intro, but. Uh, 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 real quick sense. question. Uh, so what do those harmonics do to our body versus the ones that are not adding up the way you explain? Well, I mean, you could think of it like, I mean, well, that remains to be seen. So that's the great experiment, right? So I, I'm, I'm coming to the point of view of I can make more harmonic music here. And it actually sounds better as well. You know, when you retune, it always sounds better. You know, I've never retuned a project and then thought, oh, I better put that back up to 440. It was better that way. I mean, it's just never 
<laughs> you know, that's just never happened. It always sounds better when it's been retuned. And uh, and maybe also fun. step back, Steve, what is your definition of harmonics and harmony? I mean, it's, I, I love bear how you just drop in the little question. That's maybe the biggest question. How does it affect our body? Cause that's like <laughs> yeah. everything, right? I mean, this can, this is going to get into a deep philosophical metaphysical discussion because uh, as Steve says, I don't even know if we totally know how much research has been done, but I will tell you just from my own experience, having having experienced a Steve a head flux set on a booming big sound system when we were fortunate enough to book him back in 2018 in, in LA, you could feel the effects of the music in a way that, you know, we had other great DJs playing before that had produced their own music. I played a set and it was really great sound system and it felt fun and everyone was jazz and it was a good party. And then Steve came on and everything got, it was like the same decibel, but it wasn't as loud. If that makes sense. It was like smoother feeling. The waves felt smoother. It felt more harmonic. It felt better. Um, and so just emotionally and physically, I felt that even though like, I know you're still pushing the decibels and it was still, that big loud, you know, that big room filling sound, but it didn't feel harsh. It didn't feel like, mm. whoa, overpowering. It felt good. It felt like I want to go into that. So just, that's yeah. just my own experience feeling it. How do we represent that towards what's it doing to the body and stuff? I have some theories and I'm interested to know what you think, but yeah, just Steve, what, do you, what in your opinion is harmonics or what is happening there when we say harmonics? Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, the word harmonic actually means joining. It means joining. So it's when things join together perfectly. Um, that's what har harmonic is. Um, I mean, could I could I share a screen with you? You want to you want to see some numbers, or you just yeah, want to share? Pl please do. Let me uh, go ahead and allow you to do that. Here you go. You should be able okay. to screen it. Share now. Uh, okay, you got it. Yep. Yeah. So. <clears throat> When you, uh, when you just look at the number series, okay, you have like two of the, the properties of, of music is the octave and the fifth, right? So the octave is the doubling, doubling of frequency or frequency times two is the octave. And what we call the perfect fifth is, is the frequency times three, or technically it's three over two. So if we look at a table, we start with the number one and we double as we go down, right? So two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64, 128, and so on. And then we multiply by three, uh, three over two as we go along. So we here go 1.5, and then we're doubling again as we go down to three, six, 12, 24, 48, and so on. And then we multiply by three again, we get the nine, and then we double as we go down, 18, 144. And again, we get the 27, nine times three is 27, double it is 54, 108, 216, 432, right? So, what, what we have here is basically the, the octave frequencies of C. This is, these are all the notes C. Okay, now obviously we can't hear 16 hertz, we can't hear eight hertz, but you go up, you double it up until you're in the audible range, 32 hertz, 64 hertz. These are your bass notes of C. This is G, this is D, and this is A, okay? So it just comes out, you know, it, this is not an arbitrary frequency that's being, uh, just chosen like like 440 hertz and I think a lot of people think that they're like well you know 440 432 what's what does it matter it's just arbitrary it's just an arbitrary choice but actually when you dive into 
the, the mathematics of time, you'll find that there really is no number better qualified to be the center number of music than the number 432. Um, and, you know, we, we we, we have to sort of distinguish the number and the frequency. So again, I, I think the numbers are transcendental, you know, they're, they're outside of time. Like everything can be reduced to, to a number. Everything is uh, explainable in terms of numbers. Everything is numbers, you know, it's has length and breadth and, you know, weight and density. And, you know, these are all numbers. Um, and <clears throat> so, so I, I see when we're making music, we're actually, representing numbers right you got your four beats one two three four you know you got your, your triplets one two three one two three you're always representing a number in the music uh in in whatever the music is doing and so i i feel that the the natural number series has a harmonic uh music scale built into it and that we should honor that because we've been given that. It's like a, it's a gift from God, essentially. God has given us these numbers and they have a perfect musical scale built into it. And yet, for some reason, we've abandoned it and we're just going to use this imperfect, inharmonic 440 hertz uh, tuning that was just declared by somebody uh, like 100 years ago. You know, it's, it's uh, yeah, it, it doesn't really... It's not an arbitrary choice, you know. That's that's the the point I wanted to make here. Um, and uh, I'll just show you a, a couple of slides here. Um, this was from a, a talk by Randall Carlson, um, and he wasn't even talking about four thirty two hertz or or even about music. He was just talking about sacred numbers in time, and he observed this number four thirty two coming up again and again in uh, in the measurement of time. Actually, if, you, if, you, if we just go back here, if you look in just the, the normal time cycles like minutes and seconds um, and hours, you'll find this 432 coming up again and again, like four, you know, 4,320 there, there, uh, 43,200, um, and uh, so on and so forth. You get these like repeating numbers um, and they come up at all scales, you know, they're in the small numbers and in the big numbers as well. So you have here um, like 432 minutes is, is 25,920 seconds. 25,920, of course, is the, is the number of years in the great, the great year. Um, you have things like 432 minutes is 7.2 hours. Um, again here, 25,920 days is 72 years of 360 days each, um, which is quite interesting. So, because in Babylonian times, it was a 360 day, uh, 360 day year. So you'd have each day of the year would be one degree, one degree, one day, 12 months of 30 days each, 30 degrees per month and 360 days in the year. I don't know why it's different now, why it's 365.25. Um, but just uh, I'll go to one more one more slide on this. I just want to show this is again from a Randall Carlson talk, and this is the 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 yugas in the Indian time measurement system. They have these huge time scales. Uh, the Kali Yuga is four hundred and thirty-two thousand years. Wow, trippy! And it's interesting how it's thirty-six thousand 
plus 360,000 plus 36,000 equals 432,000, right? And then you have another, another time period here, the Dwapara, 864,000. And that's, that's 432 times two. And these four ages, and the total, if you add all the time together, is 4,320,000. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to just, just quickly point out that this, this number, 432, like, occurs again and again in the measurement of time from different parts of the world um, in, in, in history. Um, and, you know, even just from, like, the basic... Uh, sexagesimal system that they use to measure time. Um, if I, uh, <clears throat> there was uh, one quote I found here from Joseph Campbell. He said, the various multiples of the number nine are a kind of harmonics table. It is the resonance of the numbers 108, 216 and 432, which defines the physical world from beginning to end. So, you know, mm -hmm. in time, uh, and this harmonic is also found in the Sumerian sexagesimal numbering system based on 60, in which, for example, 60 times 432 equals 25,920, which is the number of years in one age of the zodiac. So, you know, so even Joseph Campbell was talking about 432. He wasn't talking about music. He wasn't talking about hertz. Um, you know, the number, it's the number that is special and and we are representing that number in music and that's you know talk that's why about, i think it's important talk about syncretism wow i mean that just went across a lot of different factors there and you mentioned the 365 day um distortion and the 440 distortion well that's probably intentional to distort our uh, our natural um, connection to the, you know, cosmic law or whatever that the so-called controllers try to do because they're just always trying to distort, distort what, who we are and just, what we um, are, how we're connected. Yeah. Yeah. It's just oh. a, a quick comment. You know, the, um, I read a long time ago and it's been uh, borne out to be true, you know, with my later studies and experience and uh, some very old teachings talked about how, the lack of harmonics literally vibrate the mortar that holds our physical structure together to the point where that's what you call aging and death. So mm -hmm. harmonics actually allow that mortar. Now the mortar is should be understood as the organic elements that the inorganic elements through resonance uh, create a cohesive form and function in our body. And so uh, with the vibrations or the resonance that are disharmonious, then that interferes with the ability of the inorganic elements to maintain the resonance. It's an overlay that then actually disintegrates our physical structure. And that's when you get into a lot of, um, you know, like rap music and things that you know, uh, you know, sorry, but the harmonics aren't there. It's just boom, boom, boom. It's like, yeah. um, you know, during uh, wartime, uh, uh, they knew that when you're marching troops across a bridge, you broke stride. You just didn't do the march 
because they found out the hard way that, you know, when the soldiers maintained their, you know, kind of methodical march, it created a vibration that would literally sometimes destroy the bridge and, uh, you know, right under their feet. So they knew that they had to break stride. So it's the same thing with music. It's the same thing with what different types of music do in our body. And last thing I just want to say is, you know, music to me is the ultimate science, because if you look at the periodic table of elements, what you're really looking at is the musical scale and all the different octaves and the, the different elements that we think of on the flat, you know, kind of way that we learn it in school should, you know, ultimately be the spiraling, you know, uh, going through nine octaves with different tonal fields in each octave. And it's always in a cyclic, um, you know, change uh, going up and down the musical scales. That's how all life, including the mineral world, is created in, in constant flux. And yeah, Michael's uh, Here, uh, holding that up there. You want to, uh, so I, I, yeah. there, and I want to get into this a little bit later with Steve too, because of his nuclear physics background and talk about uh, radiation, but, and that will tie into this into Walter Russell, but uh, well, first yeah, and so, first and foremost, Steve, did you have more to share here on the uh, screen share here? Um, I'll just, uh, I had a couple of graphics here where you were talking cool. about harmonics and, you know, you see again, how in a harmonic series like this, all the waves join together perfectly. Yeah. Amazing. Did we free? Did he freeze on us? Can you hear me? Okay, Bear. Uh, yeah, I can hear you. The um, structure of That's the atom, or even the structure of the nucleus, uh, is described as a. Uh, did you lose me there? We lost you for a second. So, uh, Steve, if you wouldn't mind backing up to um, how the harmo how just start start from the top with the harmonics here. Uh -huh. Okay, so so what this shows is a, a bunch of waves. Uh, each, each one is uh, you know perfectly joining with the, the one below it. So you have one, a frequency of one and then a frequency of two and then three and four, and they all join together perfectly. It's called the harmonic series. Now you can obviously define frequencies in between there that don't fit together perfectly. And uh, you know this is where you'll get kind of a more chaotic, but when you look at all, all the frequencies going up and up and up, higher and higher, all joining together perfectly, that's called the harmonic series. And this is exactly how um, atoms are described in, in quantum physics. Um, so they, like at atoms and nuclei are described uh, with something called a wave function, which is exactly what you see before you right now. Um, it's a series of waves that have all been added together and they're bounded in such a way that they join together perfectly. So, um, <clears throat> and you know, you basically wouldn't have a stable atom if the waves weren't added harmonically. The atom wouldn't be able to like actually, you know, stay together as it were. So, um, so yeah. So I mean, for me, I, I saw, I realized that when I got to fundamental science, it was all just wave mechanics. Um, you know, physicists like to talk in terms of like particles and and all that kind of thing, um, but actually, when you get to the you, you, when you actually like talk about making calculations to make predictions for experiments and you talk about getting it right, it's just wave mechanics. It's all wave mechanics, you know? So, um, you know, my experience with physics 
was that, yes, we talk about this. We talk about electrons and we talk about protons and positrons and all these like, you know, uh, particle, the particle zoo. Um, but these are just measurement events, you know, uh, it's all it's all waves. Um, but the, the the measurement event, like the, the, the moment where the wave is incident on the detector and it goes. Yeah. <laughs> that, we're, we're, we're like objectifying that moment in time and, and calling it a thing, like a, a particle, but um, it's actually just an interaction between, uh, you know, a, a wave and a, another wave, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's all I want to say. It's like, that, what really. they, it's like what they do with viruses. They look at after effects. It's like germ theory. They look at the after effect of, 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 of something that's much grander than their scientism can see. And then they call it something, they call it a particle, they call it a virus, they call it, you know, something that they're, that the physicality <clears throat> that they can put into the reductionism. Um, mm, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was always pretty skeptical of, of viruses and that kind of thing anyway. And then, um, you know, I was never, really, I was never diagnosed with one. I, I always thought it was really peculiar like this, this weird kind of like hinterland between smaller than a smaller than a single cell, but but larger than uh, you know uh, a molecule. But there's this like kind of hinterland where these uh, creatures go around causing people to have like mild symptomatic diseases. Um, very very strange to me. Uh, well, it's funny. It's, it, it's funny how people get triggered by alchemy, but then the scientism of the day is more like magic, like weird mystical magic than alchemy. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and there's a great deal more faith required in science because uh, uh, so much of it is just um, handed down from these scientific authorities. Uh, you know, just declared. Yeah, just declared. You know, like Omicron. You know, <laughs> and declare it. You know, and everyone's like, oh, Omicron, and people actually say, you know, because Omicron, with a straight face. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> slow down you can't just make claims like that with no evidence and, and uh, expect everyone to just uh believe it you know like um that was the thing i find most frustrating about this whole last couple of years is that like people don't say no show me the proof first you know when someone when someone comes when the media comes with an uh, just an outrageous claim about an invisible creature that's spread all over the world and you know um people don't go shows the proof you know they don't do it they, they just go okay this is what's happening now uh very weird because obviously you go looking for the proof you realize it isn't there and when anybody counters uh you know just some information with an ad hominem attack like oh you're a denier or some such thing then you know that's the the most basic logical fallacy there is, and you know, you know yeah, you're on yeah. uh, over the target when they start doing that, and that's all they can do. And just coincidentally, I'm sure, but uh, you know their theories uh, always seem to serve vested interest. Whereas you know when I was in my medical studies, I really never learned how things work. And uh, you know when I expanded my studies into these other areas, we're talking about. I did find out how things work. Uh, based on that, I could develop strategies that I could, you know, in a very pragmatic way, apply and get results. And then in that, you find that uh, basically all their theories are just theories on top of theories, and they're all a bunch of horseshit. I mean, that, that's the most <laughs> yeah. kind way I can put it. 
So, so you know, the, on top the of other theories thing, on top of theories. Yeah, yeah. It just, exactly. uh, yeah. The, the cool thing, uh, you know, segueing that into alchemy, you know, we're talking about the four elements, you know, in alchemy, you know, uh, fire through, uh, you know, earth and, and, you know, air and water. But then uh, we can also uh, put that into chemical terms, uh, you know, uh, like we know that hydrogen is the fire element. And then when you know those elements, then you can also understand how in the very atmosphere, there's literally transmutation between those elements, conjugations of sorts that create what we think of as matter here. And it's all going through resonance and, you know, which makes it happen on the ground with the capacitors that we call the elements. So uh, without getting all into the weeds with that too, you know, in the practice of acupuncture, um, you know, I needed to uh, create certain effects. So I used acoustical means to create uh, in the elements. So instead of in Chinese medicine, where you think of, you know, maybe the fire element, you want a warming effect, you know, I would use C sharp, because when you get into the ancient text within acupuncture, the Shan Han Lun, they talk about the elements are actually uh, musical keynotes. So all civilizations in all times, they've had their their different languaging, their, their cultural metaphors and things, but we're all talking about the same thing. We're talking about tonal fields, uh, you know, when you get in astrophysics, uh, the, mm -hmm. the alchemy, the Ayurvedic, it's all saying the same exact thing. And just because we make fun of their languaging because it's foreign to our culture, well, guess what? Now we can take it those, uh, you know, those cultural terms and put it into our own chemical terms, hydrogen, mm -hmm. carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, uh, you know, we can, like you're doing, you're putting it in a mathematical frequency. So there's no secrets anymore. Cats out of the bag. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Now, I wanted to share this real quick, too, because this was, you know, it's music is everything. Harmonics is everything. As Walter Russell shows with the transmutation of the elements with his chart, it's all all music. And so it's it, I don't know if you all can see this and it's kind of getting a reflection. But this is the one of the Walter Russell. Um, and I would love to send you this file, Steve, mm. and see yes, how please. it's on, based on octaves. Sorry. And. and I don't know if you guys can see that. Everything, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Everything's inverted here. just like reality right now. <laughs> this camera. So uh, left is right. Okay. So it goes up the octaves here. And as we get more and more, a uh, bear, you can explain this better than I can, but it goes all the way to the ninth octave. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. He seems to have, it's like the periodic table, but like I say, written as a harmonic, um, yeah, as a, a series of notes in an octave. And then with and yeah. then you have the, the gases here <clears throat> that are the portals between the octaves. Is that correct, Bear? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. So each octave, you could think of it as a level of consciousness. And in the elemental world that Mike's showing you there, that we think of in, you know, just basic chemistry, all the elements are in constant flux trying to reach their most perfect state which is what we call the ascension 
in uh, you know the the human plane. And gold is the in you get in alchemy. It's the most perfected substance. It's what all elements are striving for. That's why you know in, in my lab, you know, we have ways of uh, going through many processes where you're constantly elevating, uh, you know, through repetitious chemical procedures so that you, you know, come out with medicines and things that, um, you know, are going to have a great impact on all levels of your being. But uh, also yeah. in our own bodies, when you look at that, uh, what Mike was just showing you there, you know, we play in that fifth octave. And interestingly enough, hydrogen is sort of the, you know, the first entry into that fifth octave, which is the carbon octave and carbon in the alchemical world is the earth element. That's where the rubber meets the road where, you know, we, yeah. we use carbon in order to ground in and, you know, create that ultimate structure. And, uh, you know, carbon is the most stable structure because it's on the waveform 90, 90 degrees perpendicular. It's, it's the most stable. So that, you know, becomes in our octave. But then when Mike was talking about the inner gases, those are the Akashics or the portals, as he said, uh, you know, into those octaves. And, uh, you know, into the fifth octave with helium going into the carbon, which is where we're kind of feeling stuck a little bit at the moment, uh, you know, helium is a portal. So when I'm in my alchemical lab, I'll not only do the chemical processes, but depending on what octave I want to achieve to whatever effect I want to impart on my processes, I'll use those inert gases and create fields within the whole process of whatever I'm doing, if I'm doing a, a reflux or distillation or some kind of, uh, you know, otherwise process. So, you know, all we're doing is replicating what nature does. And I look at, you know, going back to your uh, field there, you know, what you're doing through music is replicating nature. And when you do that, everything seems to work pretty good and you don't have to be afraid of invisible terrorists. <laughs> oh, and also real quick, speaking of the carbon, doesn't Walter Russell say carbon is basically frozen fire, which is really interesting when you relate it to um, what you're doing with uh, alchemy with fire. Um, frozen fire. Frozen mm. fire. Mm. Well, everything like is frozen fire. And because fire is the, the quintessence, it's actually the fifth element. But fire is the first phase of uh, changing the quintessence into all those different planes of, uh, you know, as they step down into the carbon, into matter. So, you know, you go, for, you know, into the fire, the air, the, you know, the water and then the earth, the two last fixed elements. And then, you know, that's um, it's all frozen fire, frozen quintessence. It's spirit. It's a spirit that moves through all things. It's just consciousness unqualified, which mm. is what we get to play with is individualization. So, sorry, we're talking way too much here. <laughs> well, and, I wanted uh, so to ask Steve, Steve what, what yeah, I wanted to ask with it. Steve, Steve uh -huh. one thing, what his perspective on 432 in your own life and how you've seen it, you know, in your career as a DJ producer. And then also I had a question on cymatics and geometry. And if you've done any research there, because that's a really cool visual representation, right? Of, mm -hmm. the, of the end effect um, and how that relates to water too, because we're primarily water. Uh, we've had mm -hmm. some amazing guests in the past, like Veda Austin talking about structured mm -hmm. water and structuring yeah. and how maybe 432 relates to the structuring of our water matrix. And maybe that's also that relation, that interaction between the harmonics and water 
Uh, I mean, there's a lot. That's a big, big yeah. topic there and questions. But I'm just curious because I know you're, you're you know a lot about this stuff and what your thoughts are and, and just your personal experience and the last 10 years working with 432. Uh, thanks. Yeah, well, I, I, I yeah, I wanted to say, actually, that it's good you came back to that because what I what I noticed, you know, I, I didn't go um, I didn't go telling everybody I was working in 432. I mean, obviously, I talked with other music producers and things, but, um, you know, I didn't try to make a, a selling point out of it necessarily. I just thought I'd just do it. And um, uh, what I did notice was that after I started putting out 432 music, that was when I started getting people talking about healing healing experiences now i hadn't that hadn't really been a thing like before that you know i mean people would you know have a great time with the music i mean they would talk about tripping out and having visions and things like that you know some people would say that they, they get visions of equations you know which was really funny because i thought wow. maybe somehow all my years of like solving equations was like kind of going into the music and then people are, are then starting seeing equations like popping around in their visions and things um, you know, people would talk about tripping out and, you know, all, all this kind of thing, but, but, but I wasn't getting, you know, people just coming out, I mean, talking about healing, but that started to occur more and more. Um, and, uh, the kinds of events that I would get invited to started to change and I, I get a lot more like intimate events where, you know, healing was kind of the intention of the event. You know, there was this was like a culture of, um, you know, helping people to, you know, heal through, through music and dance and, <clears throat> Um, so yeah, so th there was that basically the kind of culture of healing started to become more of a thing after I started working in 432. Um, but of course I was a DJ and I, you know, I wasn't about to like dismiss all of my favorite music that's in 440, you know, I'm going to say it's all bad, you know, I, I mean, I'm not <laughs> that, I'm not that much of a Puritan, you know, um, of course I still play a, a lot of music that is in 440 and so, um, uh, through gig after gig, I, I could start to get a feel for how people would react to 440 music compared to 432 music. And, you know, I, I quite simply, I mean, if you think about what happens when you, you tune a guitar, when you change the frequency of the guitar, you're tightening the string, right? You're, you're increasing the tension. So, and that's really all it comes down to. So when you, you go above 432, you're <clears throat> increasing the tension of the music. Now, that might be uh, that might be a good thing. It might actually make people really excited. That's what that's what I noticed. The 440 music would make people be more like, yeah, yeah, you know, just like totally. raging, like gritting their teeth, like yeah, you know, that kind of thing. But then the, the 432 would would you know people would be like more like you know in a meditation, you know, like eyes closed, like moving more slowly. There's this kind of uh, almost like different kind of dance to it, you know. Um, and I've seen other uh, like classical, uh, there's a classical pianist, um, Joep Beving, uh, I think he's, uh, he's like Nordic, maybe from Denmark or Iceland or something like that. Brilliant pianist. And he did a lot of listening tests, like with the same songs that done in 432 and, and, and 440 with like various people in the industry and stuff. And, uh, and he said they all reported feeling more surrounded by the music when it was in 432 they felt more surrounded by it yes but in the 440 they felt like it was more just like you know you know kind of going into their brain kind of thing um uh and so it so there was a talk of it being hitting lower in the body like more in the heart you know than, than in the head you know that was like a sort of common thing that people reported 
Almost um, like a chakra interface going on there. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, you would expect that, wouldn't you? I mean, if you're tuning, yeah, if you have a, if the chakra system is a an octave, I mean, it's, obviously it's, it's usually shown as, a, as an octave of colors, right, from the, the red to, to blue, uh, red, indigo, violet, and so on. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 that would line up. You know, if the chakras are like this frequency and the music's like this, it's kind of like not quite matching, but you, you bring, the, bring the frequency down, you know, you get, you get greater resonance, uh, perhaps. But, and I haven't, I haven't uh, done any cymatic experiments myself. I would love to get into this. I, I realize it's, um, it's something I have to do. I have to see what the frequencies are doing to water. Uh, I recently discovered Veda Austin's work. Thank you guys for uh, <laughs> for that. You, you do get some really extraordinary guests. I have to say it's uh, amazing. I've just recently found her work and it is absolutely next level uh, off the charts, man. Uh, water is amazing. So yeah, I, I, I want to I move into that path of research uh, in the future and develop my own cymatic resonators and so on. Yeah. That would be really cool for your live show if you had like a cymatics some sort of uh, structuring, I don't know what you would use and it would change according to how your set is going and actually have like a live geometric uh, display going that's analog, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. What is your perspective on analog versus digital, by the way? Um, well, <laughs> I would say, I mean, it's ultimately analog when you listen to it, right? It's got to, it's got to be analog to, to, for the output. The speaker is analog. Um, and, uh, you know, digital is like the way of, of working in. And then you have that, 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 that change from digital to analog, which is, you know, super important. Um, one of the things, uh, talking about how smooth the music sounded that I was playing, so one of the things that I realized was that a lot of digital music is mastered to a very high uh, ceiling. You know, there's like a space, a decibel range, and they're mastered right to the, the end of that range. Um, and what happens is when that gets converted from a digital signal into an analog signal to move the speakers, uh, you get these like little peaks of distortion that like pop out like higher than the the, the actual range. So, um, so for a few years now, I've been mastering my music uh, at a lower range. So it might sound a little bit quieter when you put it on next to some louder music. But if you turn up your, if you actually turn it up on the amp, it'll sound much better. Uh, so, so the idea there is it's, it's better to actually have the gain on the analog than to just multiply the waveform to its max. Do, do you know what I mean? So a, a lot of people have just been maxing out these waveforms in the digital space. And it might sound good on a big system and everything sound really loud and heavy, but on smaller systems and cheaper systems and stuff, it's really gonna like distort, you know, and uh, you know, produce a lot of distortion. So, so again, using the harmonic scales, the harmonic frequencies, and not mastering your music to its absolute limit, but but bringing it back, giving it some space to to wiggle in the analog domain. Uh, you know, that's another thing that gives the, that kind of smoothness of the music. You, you can you can also explain that phenomena with um, like mineral supplementation. You can take uh, you know your typical standardized kind of supplements with minerals. They're like the digital uh, components of the keynotes. 
But when you get into the real elements, the way nature has them, you have the keynotes, but you have the harmonics in between. The harmonics mm -hmm. in between, uh, you can call transitional elements. Uh, when they were first discovered by David Hudson, uh, he called them Ormus, you know, orbitally mm. rearranged monotonic elements. But that's kind of pertaining to an old kind of an archaic um, atomic uh, theory. In reality, it again uh, explains how every element is in transition from one to the next, and those harmonics in between are actually ceramic state. They're not metallic, but when you get like a, a fulvic mineral supplement, for instance, the way nature breaks things down, you get all the analog harmonics in between the keynotes, and the body thrives on that. And of course, plants. Uh, break the you know those minerals down and make that more possible for us and fulvic is an old you know kind of an old uh you know process that the earth's doing on our behalf with old vegetation so yeah again i'm just trying to say that or illustrate that it, it's when you get into alchemy there's congruity whether you're talking about music whether you're talking about uh you know mineral supplementation or medicine it's it works for everything yeah as yep. above, so below. Mm. Absolutely, it's uh, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, actually, can I share a, a slide with you again, guys? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, my mind's spinning out. My mind is spinning out right now too, because I'm relating that to like how what tone you use or what um, scale you use when making music, and relating that to the elements, and relating that to the you know, there's so much alchemy in in the sounds of the music related to um uh you know everything we do in our lives it's it's really quite profound yeah so you know with the elements i mean uh this is actually kind of an old slide but it'll do for now but it, the, the elements of course they relate to the states of matter in physics you know this is uh you know again people think oh the elements the chemical elements it's like no no the elements are about the states of matter um so you know earth is solid solidity uh water is is liquid uh air is gas uh and fire is like light or or vibration and then you have this fifth element of ether which you could call space or um <clears throat> now i've got spirit there i'd say actually that's a bit of an error this is an old slide but I, so w w when we, when we look <clears throat> when we look at those four elements in the four states of matter they correspond inside and outside the body so you know, inside the body, for example, the, the waters of the body, we got blood, sweat and tears, uh, you know, cer cerebrospinal fluid, semen, all these things, right? They they're, they're all correspond with the emotions, our, our emotional life. And then we also have the, the solids in the body, like the bones and the tissues and, uh, and these kind of things, the carbon, right? Um, and uh, the air, air is the, the medium of thought. You know, air is associated with uh, thoughts uh, and gas um, and the medium through which we, we communicate. And then the fire is associated with the soul. And in the outer world, in the outer world, that is the stars and planets, um, you know, the sun and the moon, the stars and planets. The, those are the true light, the true uh, fire of our outer world experience. Um, and of course, you've heard of like the soul fire or the light of the soul. Um, but, you know, I believe that actually the soul is the configuration of the stars and planets at the time you're born, what you call your astrological birth chart, right? That's, 
It's the configuration of fire in the sky at the moment of your birth. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a massive astrologer, but I've, I've you know, analyzed the, probably a few dozen birth charts, including my own one in extreme depth. And, uh, you know, these, these astrological birth charts are absolutely an imprint of people's soul. I mean, it's like spooky how much you can uh, tell about someone just from the, uh, the configuration of the planets at the time of their birth. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, I believe that is the soul. Um, it's the, the fire part of our, our experience. And, and then the ether, well, the ether is this kind of mysterious, but it's really the space. Uh, and also ether is an anagram of theater. It's an, also an anagram of earth, but an anagram of theater. And I think that's really a great way to explain the ether. It's like the theater, the three-dimensional theater of reality. Whoops. That's still working. <laughs> so would you say that when you said that you messed up on the, or that layer as you called spirit, or you said that that's a little dated, would you call that etheric, the etheric layer instead? Well, okay. So, uh, yeah, that was a little dated. I wanted to show you a newer slide there, but I couldn't find it. So, so then <clears throat> with spirit, it's 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 a case of spirit and flesh, as I understand it. There's two parts. We, we, so we have these four elements, and the earth and the water elements they pull down. Okay, it's like what earth and water goes down. It's it's it, yeah, it's, it has a downward tendency. That's why it's always uh, symbolized as a downward triangle. Um, whereas fire and air <clears throat> pull up, and you know they say this in the, you know ancient religions and so on, it's like part of us pulls us up towards heaven and part of us pulls us down towards the ground. And of course, the, the earth and the, so earth and the water is the flesh, right? So the, the blood and the bones and the tissue and stuff, that's our flesh. Earth and water is flesh. Fire and air is our spirit or our, or, or our soul, right? And uh, when you look at, I mean, even spirit as in like alcoholic spirit, you know, it's like fiery, and it's volatile, it, it changes into air easily. If you just leave it open, it just becomes air, right? It's like, it's liquid, but it becomes air and it's very fiery um, if you, you know, if you drink it or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I would say the spirit is not the ether, the spirit or our spirit is, is the, the kind of airy and fiery aspect of our being. Um, the ether obviously is very mysterious <clears throat> and perhaps has its, its own consciousness uh, may correspond with the father in, in the Christian tradition, right? The, the, the kind of existing in all places and times, eternally existing, omnipresent, you know, um, the source of everything that, that is the ether uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And in alchemy, it's about taking the elements uh, the volatile, which are the first two, the fire and the air. And, you know, that's, that's the spirit. And then the, the last volatile, the, the uh, air with the, the first fixed water, that becomes um, uh, spirit. You know, the, the first yeah. one, all, the two volatiles are, are, the, are the sulfur, the soul, you know, and, and then the uh -huh. two fixed water and earth are the, um, you know, or, or the, the carbon that becomes, uh, you know, that the matter or the salt, you know, as we call it. So mm -hmm. um, what's what's really neat is you can demonstrate this and transmute any substance into those three things. For instance, you can take rainwater and you can 
go through a laboratory process and separate it into four factions, which uh, relate to the those two uh, volatile and the two fixed elements, you know, four total. Then you go mm. through, it's called like a, like a four and three process. And, and then you take those four elements and then you create the three element, the, the three uh, attributes, you know, you know, this, the, the mercury, the sulfur and the salt. Mm. And, you know, it's like, well, Hey, you still got water there. Well, guess what? After you go through the process, you can take all sorts of measurements, electrical resistance, pH and so forth. And each one of them is totally different. And all you did is start with the same water. And after the process, you've got three different substances, even though somebody else would say, well, it's still water. No, it's got totally different attributes. So the whole thing with alchemy is understanding how to participate in the transmutational process. And in the process, of course, it becomes a very personal thing because in it, you're, you know, unlike the uh, double blind, uh, you know, scientism kind of studies, you realize there's no uh, pretending that you're not in the room, you are a part of the, the, the process, you can't remove yourself. Yeah. And then in that uh, alchemical lab, of course, you are going through a transmutational process yourself of, you know, isolating those three parts, purifying them and, you know, recombining into an elevated whole. So, you know, uh, everything we should be doing from music to medicine, to growing things out here on the farm. Uh, it should all be done within that alchemical process because then at the same time, it has it uh, expedites our own alchemical process as far as what we're here to do in the first place, is, which is to go through the ascension. And of mm -hmm. course, that's uh, the thing they're trying to prevent us from doing. Yes, the three principles are really interesting and uh i got to them later you know they're, they're sort of almost like secret a lot of people get into alchemy they know about the elements and some of the other things that they don't get as far as the principles but they're such a key aren't they um what i find fascinating was that they're you know like you said any substance any plant or an animal or anything can always be reduced to three uh parts the salt the the the, the sulfur and the mercury or the the body uh soul and spirit um and that those are actually immortal. They're immortal components, and they can, can they can transfer that immortality to other things. So, like, you know, because they're used as as uh, preservatives, right? You you use oil to preserve something because it doesn't decay. You can use spirit to preserve something. You can use salt to preserve something. It sort of transfers that kind of like uh, eternally existing quality to uh, other things as well. It's like absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the water element is so important. And, you know, the work uh, that you're talking about and, and what uh, Veda does is it, it's very easy to understand because water is the first of the two fixed elements. It's what we were talking about before where fire, you know, the initiator, you know, from, from pure ether, um, mm -hmm. you know, the volatile elements, those informational fields that, that come, you know, have to initiate in the mental, that first stage of polarization of electricity, all of those informational fields then have to be portrayed in the water in order to get the final 
fixed, um, you know, what we think of as matter into the carbon or the earth uh, element. So, um, you know, again, no mysteries here. And it's just so cool that people like uh, Veda are, you know, actually demonstrating that, that whatever you subject water to, it's, it's right there, it's imprinted. Uh, no different yeah. than you know what our little things are doing inside our computers, so that things magically appear on the screen. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes me think of the the Hebrew uh, character for water is called Mem, isn't it? Mem. Yeah. And uh, yeah. exactly. It's like it's just telling you right there. It's like water is the memory. You know, it's like water is is the memory. It's the uh, also the snowflake, right? The very fact that every snowflake is unique is telling you that water is capable of just coming up with new ideas, new forms, new memory, you know, new uh, just creations uh, can just be conceived of from water just through its, uh, I guess, it's just kind of infinite complexity. It's, it's very and, mysterious, yeah. And like you said, water is the emotional element, and that's very key to understand because emotions are what give the waveforms the intensity so they can pop into matter in the first place. You know, if if, if something yeah. doesn't have the emotional intensity, you know, there's no velocity to, you know, to create matter in the first place. You just got empty thought bottles. And, uh, you know, again, that's that's what water does is it, 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 it allows things to be fixed into matter. And that's yes. interesting. Yeah. yeah, the memory connection, because I've been kind of tripping out on the idea of what time is and time really for our percept it's all perception right and our perception relies on mem uh, memory because without memory we don't have time if whether that be short-term memory of what happened just a second ago or long-term memory of our past um if we were not to have memory it makes me think of that movie memento where he has to write everything down on his body and tattoo stuff because he's lost his oh that was memory. a tricky one yeah, yeah right <laughs> oh, so, yeah so time, water is in its essence very much directly related to time. And some people have been saying that there's this phenomena going on right now where it feels like time is speeding up. Well, maybe that has to relate to the 440 Hertz. Uh, as you said, it's speeding up the tension, right? As the tension is increasing, water is reflecting that in our biology and hence time feels like it's increasing because it is all perception based on the memory uh, that we can allocate towards it. So interesting wow. stuff. Yeah, I, I yeah. think the one uh, the one Einsteinian uh, thing that uh, the man himself said, you know, about relativity and time was uh, it was the analogy. You know, if you're sitting on a hot hot poker, it seems like an eternity, but if you have a beautiful woman on your lap, it goes in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah relativity yeah time flies when you're having fun <laughs> yeah yeah well talk to any talk to my kids they're like i'm so bored this has been the longest day ever and i'm like i wish i had another six hours today just stay just <laughs> yeah. you know perspective perspective yeah. is everything they're really interesting and maybe because their little bodies have such new young water that's so structured their time their days do go a lot slower because of their perception there related to their physiology of their water. Well, you yeah, guys, I mean, there's uh, a couple of, uh, well, no, you go ahead. Uh, and, and after you finish your thought, you know, since I haven't been to one of your workshops and Mike has, I'd like to just, maybe if you could relate to your, uh, to our audience, you know, um, you know, what you guys do and, and just the experiences you create. Well, full disclosure, um, I know, haven't been to an audio. I've been to a show of his, but I haven't, 
I wasn't privileged enough to go to one of the audio alchemy uh, workshops in Hawaii when, he, when Steve was doing them. But I do know of two or three producers, four, maybe four producers that did. And it was, uh, it was definitely a very much talked about uh, week because it was you, Steve, you had created a very unique experience. It was, um, yeah, please uh, inform our audience a little bit of what Audio Alchemy was, the retreat itself and what you were doing, because I don't think there's anything that's ever been done like that before in music production. And also, please finish your thought before I talked over you there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I'll just my, yeah, my thought was just that on the, the time speeding up thing. Uh, and, and Mike, if I, if I go on here, maybe you could bring back to that question if I, if I go on a bit too much here. But just on the sure. time speeding up thing, <clears throat> well, there's, the, there's kind of a subjective way of looking at it, which is that each year of life is a smaller proportion of your life. You know, so when you're two years old, one year is 50% of your life. You know, when you're 10 years old, one year is a 10th of your life. And then when, you know, so uh, each year that passes is a smaller slice of your overall experience. And I don't know if maybe that's why things seem to be getting faster as, as you get older. Um, but but, but there's, there's another aspect to it. Um, I talked again about the 360 day year and, and you know, th there's, <clears throat> there's no denying that if the year was 360 days, we'd have this beautiful harmonic, you know, there's this beautiful harmonic like cosmic system. Um, and, you know, it's like, why is it 365.25? How did it get there? Um, has that, you know, has that that process of the, the going from 360 to 365 is that a natural process that has led to changes in time perception and perhaps even uh distortions in <clears throat> consciousness um it's it's a very interesting uh, thing so uh, have either of you heard of something called the pythagorean comma anyone, anyone heard no, of that please please explain pythagorean comma <laughs> Uh, so it's a number, it's basically 1.01 1 .01, uh, and, you know, with trailing numbers, but it's basically 1.01. 1 .01. And uh, it's, uh, it's just this number that comes out in music theory when you go, when you go through the circle of fifths, you know, the circle of fifths, you go through 12 fifths of music and you, it takes you up seven octaves. So if you go on the keyboard, if you go, if you go up 12 fifths, if you start on C and you go up 12 fifths, you'll go up to C7, you know, from C1 up to C7. So 12 fifths is seven octaves. But when you actually work out the math, you find is that the 12 fifths is actually slightly higher than seven octaves. And, and that the difference is the called the Pythagorean comma is 1.01. .01. Um, and I thought this is quite interesting. I started looking at some other ratios and getting the exact same well not the exact same because it's a it's an irrational number it's got lots of decimal places but getting very very close to this pythagorean comma so if you take uh 440 and divide it by 432 also equals 1.01 1 .01. uh if you take wow. three, 365.25 and you divide it by 360 also equals 1.01 .01. yeah um so so it's there's like, some like dark magic going on here or something. Yeah, there's, it's like uh, it crops up in a lot of places as well. Um, uh, as this is not something I've presented yet. Uh, I'm, it's still like a theory I'm working on, as it were. I'm trying to understand if this this Pythagorean comma is uh, 
this number is like the the offset that we are currently living in from the the perfect or golden age uh, reality system, right? Where where everything is harmonic and uh, like a you know a great symphony, um, but you know, instead we have this kind of thing where things are distorted and things are off and things, you know, things are just wrong in a lot of places. Uh, and I wonder if it's something to do with the music or the cosmos. I don't know what caused it, but uh, it's interesting. One, uh, one just other thought, and I hope this isn't too nerdy, but, uh, you know, with the, the time thing, you can explain it with waveform mechanics as well. You know, you've got two things going on. You've got rotation and revolution. And uh, if you think of a spinning top, you know, if we are compressing our thoughts into our next frame of experience, uh, you've got a rotational effect. And of course, it's supposed to be going both ways simultaneous where you're contemplating, you know, that you're the creator in the first place. If you're not there and you're caught in materialism and you're just in that rotational aspect only, then that speeds up more and more and more, the more you get into the cone. And then of course, that's why we oblate electrically and then physically die in our bodies because, you know, we aren't, uh, you know, constantly moment by moment replenishing with the fact that understanding, you know, having the awareness that we're creating in the first place. But anyway, um, you know, as things, uh, if we're caught in that one cycle of compression, then uh, the, the, the revolution speeds up, speeds up, speeds up. So that also becomes a sensation of quickening time. And it's a very um, physical electrical phenomena. Um, and, and again, not to make that make sense for everybody right away, but uh, all, all I'm saying is these things are actually easy to explain. And uh, when you wrap your mind around a few basic concepts, it's a heck of a lot easier to learn than all the, the crap that, uh, uh, you know, you and I had to learn in school and conventional sciences, which is just memorizing a myriad of uh, unrelated factoids, you know. I mean, there is some value, you know, in it, but. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, there's value in the uh, the process of like doing the analysis and, and learning, you know, and yeah. memorizing and everything, you know, like it's uh, like brain training, isn't it? Like, but then you come out and realize yeah, you've had a whole lot of brain training, but the, the, the actual stuff, you know, isn't any use to anybody. Uh, you know, you feel a little bit betrayed, right? Um, just, you know, uh, so I, I know well, I feel like inherent. we're... The inherent <laughs> risk is you might end up believing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, that's it. Yeah. I think this is the problem, isn't it? A lot of people, they, they never check it. You know, um, I, I, this is, you know, something people say, or my mother might say it to me sometimes. She's like, how can all these millions of scientists be wrong? And, <laughs> you know, you're, you're right or whatever. I'm like, well, it's, it's not, first of all, it's not millions of scientists, but they're not all wrong. They're just, they've been miseducated and they've not checked it. They've not checked it, right? So a lot of things is like, you're just told it. You're like, okay, that's how it is. Never checked it. You assumed that it was checked long ago. <laughs> it was figured out and uh, uh, it's all good and there's no need for us to check it. And, and that's really, I think what it comes down to is like, you know, the, it's all based on just a few foundational principles that were set by just a few Masons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it, that's there's an awakening happening. No doubt. I mean, I know it's a bit of a cliche now, but I mean, I, I mean, within actual 
there's, there's the, the big awakening, but there's also awakenings happening within uh, different disciplines. You know, there's awakenings in medicine, there's awakenings in physics. So there's, a, you know, people are waking up to, uh, you know, the, the, the they've been misinformed on a, on a grand scale about, about many things, uh, even and especially the most educated among us uh, are uh, sometimes the most misinformed, you know, um, so I don't know. Did if you I... ever ask questions when you were in your PhD? Were you already waking up during that time in school and trying to ask your professors or whatnot about some of this nonsense, or did it all happen after you got out of school? Well, um, I, I so in my PhD, I ended up um, proving uh, proving that a published paper was incorrect. Um, so you know, there was quite quite an education there because you know they they gave me like my first job as my phd or whatever they gave me this paper it wasn't a very long paper you know it's maybe like six pages or something had some equations and a graph at the end and they're like can you verify you know just verify this you know do everything that he's done and uh you know produce the result and i just like in two years i spent like trying to verify this paper and like could not do it um and uh you know, I was just I, I was getting a different res, result, a different graph, completely different shape of graph um, in the end. And eventually, with the help of my senior professor, we we were able to reduce the problem to something much simpler. So, you know, we'd be looking at it in a very complex way, and we managed to reduce it to a very simple and elegant wave mechanics problem. And uh, you know, just basic like wave wave functions interacting and uh, we were able to prove, like actually prove, that uh, the result in the, in the paper was wrong. Um, and so that's kind of what my, that was ended up being like the conclusion of my thesis was that, you know, uh, and this was in Physical Review C, which is, uh, you know, uh, you know, an established phys physics journal, peer-reviewed journal. So, you know, so I, I, that's, that's when I realized, okay, peer-reviewed doesn't mean checked. Yeah, it doesn't mean checked, right? It, it doesn't mean verified. It doesn't mean that it's been repeated. It doesn't even mean that it's repeatable. I mean, it, it, you know, peer review doesn't mean any of that. You know, like uh, a reviewer cannot reproduce what he's reviewing because he doesn't have the funding. I mean, he'd need to get all the funding and all the time. And, you know, these things are incredibly expensive. They take a long time to do. And uh, they're often like, impenetrably complex like just you know like like a handful of people <laughs> most are gonna like actually go through and check everything you've done and you know there's, there's this whole thing in uh called the replicability crisis right uh, if you're, you're aware of um and it's it's enormous like a great majority of science like you know 70 80 percent is not only never been checked or you know reproduced but it, i mean it's not even uh, it's never even come up again because there's no use for it. You know, it's like people do what they need to do. Um, if, 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 these, if these science experiments were useful, they would have been done again. You know, they would have been checked. They would, someone would have done it, but they, um, they're, just, they're just left. You know, a good 70, 80% of science is just never amounts to anything. And uh, it's like, whoa. And then there's that, <laughs> then there's that yeah. percentage, that category that's been deliberately fudged you know, we don't yeah. want to talk about that either. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to fudge results as well. I mean, I, you know, I know <laughs> it's pretty easy to like, so how is you know, your, just create data how is your, points, uh, you know. 
how is your dissertation received by your colleagues? Uh, so, um, I mean, yeah, well, it was all good. Um, and I met the guy, I actually met the guy who published the, the incorrect paper and uh, shook his hand and, you know, talked him through it and stuff. He, you know, he seemed a bit embarrassed and stuff. But that's, you know, that's fair enough. I think he was out of a job by that point anyway. <laughs> I was getting to the end of my PhD. I was like worried what I'm going to do next. But uh, no, my, my supervisor told me a story which really stuck with me. It's one of the things that stuck with me most. Uh, and he told about an old nuclear physics uh, professor who had been pushing this theory for decades. Like he'd just been, this is, it was like his opus magnum. You know, he'd been working on this theory decade after decade, turning up to all the, the conferences and presenting it and everything. And so at this point, he was like in his 60s or something. And uh, he was at a conference and this young whippersnapper, you know, gets up on stage <laughs> and like just delivers this presentation, completely debunks this old guy's life's work um, uh, with, you know, proof, essentially, that, that it's not, you know, that it was no good. And and the old guy, he gets up, he just walks right down the center aisle, gets up on stage and he shakes his hand. He says, thank you. Now I know the truth. Mm. Um, and and oh, you know, that's this, amazing. This is the, you know, for me, it, that stuck with me the most. It's like you have to be able to say I was wrong. Uh, and, and you have to realize that getting to a common understanding of the truth is the goal of science. It's not about your personal, uh, you know, theory and everything like all these scientists they just love to put their name on things don't they you know yeah. this law they love that their, law, they this love article, their, that, they love their accolades yeah yeah it's like but it's not about any of that like it's about getting to the truth and the truth is beyond any of us you, you can't own a part of the truth you know you can't say oh, the, the, you know um i mean i was thinking of like newton's first law right newton's first law is for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction okay but that's just what waves do, right? You have the action and then you have the equal and opposite reaction. It's just all he's doing is stating the nature of the wave. And it's he's made it into a law and put his name to it. Like it's like like he owns the this law of the universe. It's like, no, it's just vibration. Yeah, it goes it's up interesting and then it goes how back. he didn't apply that to gravity. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, the apple fell, but what then what happened after that? Continue the equation, brother. You didn't. You let yeah. you only got one half of it there. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Here, okay, to the audio alchemy, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I don't want the audio alchemy anymore, Bear. Well, you go ahead, Bear, but then I want to get into to nuclear radiation. But you go ahead, Bear. No, it's just a, a, a stupid comment. You know, okay. The pinnacle of medical success is when you get to name a disease after yourself. Wrap your mind around that. <laughs> so every time somebody's got some kind of scourge of a symptom, they got they say, oh, I've got mike disease you know I mean, yes, yeah. <laughs> my wife gets yeah. mike disease every now and then um yeah, <laughs> yeah. so hemorrhoids <laughs> oh man well, those are real um hey man like so i yeah i do i'm just kidding i do i would love to touch on the audio alchemy retreat because i think that um it's a really cool experience but obviously with your background and with what we like to talk about a lot and something we've talked about uh, on a private channel this week too, Steve. Um, what is your take on nuclear radiation, nu nukes themselves, fission, fusion, all of this stuff? To me, it seems like a lot of 
dark magic and and fakery going on, especially around nukes themselves, and about mm. something like the Bikini Atoll, like some of those those tests where you see the um, the military guys only like a mile away with no protection on, with regular film. Um, that somehow the radiation didn't distort the film. Somehow they didn't all die. Um, there seems like a lot of trickery going on with the nuclear bomb stuff. But then also, mm -hmm. I don't know about the radiation itself. Like Walter Russell explains, radiation is one of the most important parts of the two-way um, uh, waveform. You have radiation, mm -hmm. then you have gravitation. Um, so I'm just curious, like, where? what's your perspective on all this? Because it's quite scary. <laughs> yeah, great question. I, uh, I'm glad you asked that, Mike. I'm all ears here. <laughs> okay, well, um, again, like, it, I mean, there's a few things to unpack, which is, you know, when something is secretive, you got to be skeptical, okay? So, like, in the case of nuclear bombs, obviously, the governments of the world would love us to think that they could destroy the whole world at the touch of a button, right? It's, it's a very... Uh, you know, for people to believe that their leaders are capable of doing that, you know, just going and destroying the whole world is quite a powerful uh, position to be in. So, you know, it's worth just keeping things like that in mind. And also, um, again, coming back to like the theoretical description of what is happening in these things and then the actual nuts and bolts of what's really happening so sometimes sound completely different. Um in the case of nuclear bombs, uh, I would say I think they're just the hydrogen bombs, you know, just exploding hy hydrogen, right? Hydrogen, it, when you expose it to a flame, it goes, right? It, it, it so bang, uh, it's a loud bang. incendiary. Yeah, yeah. And so with a lot of hydrogen compressed, you could make a, a, a really big bomb. I mean, you could say you're splitting the hydrogen atom, you know? <laughs> But can you prove that you're splitting the hydrogen atom? Uh, you know, can I can I prove it? No, of course not. I mean, these are secretive technologies. Like, yeah, have I studied the the theoretical physics of how an atom splits and all that? Yes, of course I have. But have I actually seen seen it, it being done, like demonstrated? No, no, uh, I haven't. I mean, I've been to um, uh, particle accelerator labs, uh, as they're called, and uh, you know, in my um, I don't knock all theories and all modeling, of course, because, uh, you know, modeling when it works is, is, is great. And, uh, you know, my model was actually uh, an experiment was performed like the year after I finished my PhD by some scientists in Edinburgh University. And they got a good match. They got a really good match to my data. They did the experiment and it matched uh, the, the prediction of the theory. So, that, you know, that was nice. Not all theoretical physics is, is, is nonsense. Um, but I think the... What they do is they go into, they use their mind to go behind the phenomena, right? So you've got the, you got the phenomena that you can see and work with. And then the theoreticians, they, they kind of project their minds like behind the phenomena and, 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 and dream up all this stuff that could be going on behind the scenes, right? So your protons and your electrons and your neutrons and your particle zoo and um, you know, your superposition and all, all, all these things like none of this is in our daily experience, right? These, this is all stuff that's supposedly going on in the super sensory realms behind the earth, air, fire and water that we experience, um, you know, in, in our lives. And so 
what, what I found is that a great deal of the theoretical descriptions of things, it's completely unnecessary to the functioning of the device. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, uh, it's all just, you know, it's like a whole universe of like thoughts and theories as to why it might be happening, but it's not, none of it's actually necessary for the thing to work. Um, and so like, if you take in the case of uh, nuclear power, for example, I mean, they're heating water, turning it into steam and, uh, you know, creating electricity, right? I mean, that's what's happening. If you look up how does a nuclear reactor work, it'll tell you it's a giant kettle. <laughs> it's a giant kettle, you know? Uh, now they say they're splitting the atom. They say that they got this uranium and they're splitting the atom to produce the, the steam out of the water. But in my view, they could just be heating the water with radiation. I mean, you know, because we're heating the water with radiation to produce steam. Uh, again, where's the evidence that you're splitting the atom? You know, um, it's not, I've never seen any evidence that, you know, that is happening. Um, you know, all we see is the steam coming out the top of the thing and, you know, whatever the, the, they tell us on the internet, but, um, you know, the en actual engineering and people who work in there, you know, I haven't worked in a nuclear, nuclear power station. Um, but yeah, sorry to come back. I, I did go to a few particle accelerator labs. So, so have I. And, my, my, just so you know, my yeah. uncle was one of the lead um, nuclear physicists at Brookhaven Labs in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And I remember going as a kid, there were soldiers out, you know, with um, with firearms out the door. And I got got to go in to the where the collider was. Mm -hmm. And I, what I realized, it was all just computer interface, of course. It's all just digital mm. interface that are are doing the theoretics of, I guess, what's happening with the splitting of the of the atoms or the mm. with the electrons bombarding or whatnot. And even as a kid, I was like seven years old. I'm like, this seems weird to me. Like, you can't actually see it. And my uncle's explaining that. And funny, I love my uncle. He's great, but he is the total double masker believing in the whole thing. All, all of my family that are working in scientism are also in the cult mm. of COVID, which is just an interesting aside. But yeah, I've yeah, been there yeah. myself and it was like, anyway, as a kid, I saw it, it was like kind of silly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, that's the thing. I don't really, uh, you know, I can't really say for sure, but I mean, I'm just going on, you know, my, my, my feeling in terms of like looking at alchemy and looking at the way things really work and the you know, earth, air, fire and water and the hot, cold, dry and wet and all this kind of thing. Like, um, it seems to me that, yeah, you could make a nuke by just having compressed hydrogen and a, a, a flame and you could make uh, a nuclear power station just by putting a, you know, a highly radioactive substance into water. There was enough to like, you know, heat it and turn it into steam. Uh, again, uranium is a tough one. You know, I, like I've never had access to uranium. I've never used it. I've never worked with it. I've studied the theory of the uranium atom splitting, and of course, but um, you know, I've never had my hands on uranium. I couldn't even tell you if it was real. Honestly, uh, I'm sure it is. But uranium that comes from plutonium. The... Is that correct? Is that what they say or is it the other way around i forget one yeah so one. there's a series of elements up there and the the heavy element uh you know area of the periodic table which sort of decay into each other as we're uh, as we're told but uh th these are not things you can just buy um online and do experiments with very easily they're you know controlled substances maybe if you're in russia <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> 
Well, yeah, that's a-, a confusing one. You have the the famous uh, video that's out there where this person that worked in the industry, they're talking about just kicking these reactors with their feet and picking them up and no problem. And, and, you know, talking about what a hoax it is. And then on the other hand, you hear all the stories of just the people that you were putting the radium on the dials of watches and all getting sick and dying. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, You're talking I about really don't know what's going on. <coughs> Galen, know, Galen, yeah. uh, Galen Windsor you're talking about there uh, yeah oh yeah the guy who was eating the uranium yeah he yeah. would supposedly swim in the cooling pool to warm up like a hot tub <laughs> and uh his kid now is pushing like radioactive therapy and stuff so um there's he could uh, be a yeah. reptilian also exactly are they terraforming <laughs> this planet for their own you know, the Dracos, like it gets so weird. Like, that's my question. Like, cause I was super freaked out about Fukushima when that happened. Cause they were saying the fallout was going to come over and would devastate the Pacific ocean and we'll be eating that fish. And when you, I'm actually literally reading bear again, the very first Walter Russell book I ever read, but uh, atomic suicide. Oh yeah. This, this book will scare the crap out of you because yeah. this was written in the fifties or late forties. And according to what we what we've seen and what's happened we should all be basically be riddled with cancer right now so the question is what really is going on with radioactivity it seems like it's a thing walter russell explains it very clearly what it is it's part of the death cycle it's the radio it's the increased uh heating of the way of of the and the speeding up of the wave and barrett can explain this way better than i but why are we not all dead from Fukushima? Um, are there other things at play too? That I mean, maybe it's the well, ascended masters helping. I don't know. Well, it's uh, you know he explains it according to pressure differentials, and uh, you know different lower pressure uh, states are going to be unraveled by higher pressure states, and and you know and and for instance, if we we're just solely in the re- radiation cycles we're talking about, we'd just be unraveling because there'd be nothing compacting us back into materiality. And then the other extreme, if we're in materiality, then we mm-hmm. end up compressing ourselves into the state of no mortar to glue us together, keep us glued together. So, you know, you, you got to have both. And I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm just guessing here, but I kind of have a hunch that with our internal state of consciousness that is shifting radically with a lot of us right now, um, we are able to manipulate and maintain certain pressurized zones within ourselves so that we're no longer as vulnerable to those um, outer cycles. I don't know, just Mm. throwing something out there. Yeah, well, the, I mean, fundamentally, we're talking about something that's losing energy, you know, something is is emitting, yeah, it's losing energy. So, um, you know, it could and, be, and Steve, what is your definition yeah. of energy? Because I feel like the mainstream is kind of nonsense. What is energy? Uh, well, I'd go for, yeah, I'd go for vibration. I mean, you know, fire, you know, alchemical fire. I mean, cause the, the thing, uh, if you think like air, air, water, and earth all, uh, sort of respond to fire, you know, it's like cymatics, right? You've got, uh, you know, atoms responding to vibration you know and and so uh you know air water and earth are like different densities of atomic matter and um you know they all respond to light in in different ways and <clears throat> so yeah i would say that the, the energy is the vibration it's the sine wave um you know certainly in physics if you're gonna if you're gonna like describe any system you're always gonna end up 
solving sine waves there's just no escaping it it's like uh when you when you actually produce the numbers at the end of all the theories and the calculations it always comes down to those sine waves and uh you know simple arithmetic you know um so yeah losing energy that's what happens when something is radioactive it's losing energy so it's okay well is is the energy that it's losing dangerous to the human body well that's going to depend on the frequency of the energy right so if if the energy is uh a long wavelength you know if it's a, it's a low frequency long wavelength longer than the human body then it's just going to your body's not even going to feel it it's just going to go right through you if it's super short wavelength also might just go through you but if the wavelength starts to get comparable to some of your body's systems like uh okay the wavelength is like the size of a cell you know size of your cell or it's the size of one of your organs or the size of your eyeball you know <laughs> then you might start to get some uh, dangerous effects right because then the the energy uh like you say with the bridge with the vibrating bridge with the soldiers on the bridge right um you might start getting things in your body uh you know vibrating in unpleasant ways uh due to the radiation but most radiation so, just goes right through us it would have to it would have to correspond the wavelength would have to correspond with objects in the body uh for it to be for it to interact so how would you describe this kind of opens up the door to 5g and the microwaves that are ubiquitous in our environment now so how yeah. would you describe those in contrast i just think of them all as ionizing radiation but how would you describe them yeah, ionizing. Yeah, ionizing radiation. So I think you know my, my understanding of that. That's you know that's what's dangerous about five G, or at least part of the five G spectrum, uh, is that um, you know it, it's it has a a wavelength and a power uh, which is able to uh, essentially resonate or vibrate molecules in the body, possibly you know graphene or something that people might have had injected into themselves in the last few years. Um, but, uh, you know, I, again, I just think of it like vibration, you know, if it's, the, if it's the frequency, if the wavelength corresponds to the size of the particle, then you're going to get an inter an interaction, um, just like with the soldiers on the bridge. Mm, and maybe relating this yeah. back to music, you can counter that frequency with with maybe the in, inner frequencies we have, like Bear was saying, whether, and this can relate on all the different levels from the etheric, spiritual, soul, whatever, but also with the structured water within us and using 432 hertz harmonics, uh, meditation, um, ice baths, all these different ways to interface and structure ourselves better, then maybe we can increase our defenses against these attacking or not necessarily attacking, but these invading or penetrating waveforms coming in. Well, yeah, I mean, another thing to think about is sympathetic resonance. You know, this is another observable phenomenon, you know, people usually do it with tuning forks, right? You have one going and then you bring another one and then it starts to, to go as well. If they're the same size, uh, the vibration of one will induce a vibration in another. Uh, they call it sympathetic resonance and so i i i think there is you know you consider just a harmonic system whether it's a music coming out of your speakers or even your room you know like tidying your room like making things harmonic having your desk in the center and your screen in the center and having things symmetrical and you know building a harmonic uh, geometric space to work in harmonics in the music i think 
you get a sympathetic vibration right uh in the body so if you're surrounded by harmonic music and you're in a harmonic space that's like neat and tidy and so on then maybe that uh harmony will transfer to the body in the same way that a tuning fork can transfer a vibration to another tuning fork right it's like you're yeah. um yeah you, that's, you're, that's it yeah that's a great example because it's kind of what I was trying to explain. Um, you know, you have universal awareness, intelligence, consciousness, which is a pretty big energy field or however you want to describe it. Now, let's just say that we're some of us are starting to contemplate actually being that, you know, with no separation versus, um, you know, seduced into a, a real small overlay of uh you know a, a certain portion of mankind trying to do all the the nonsenses they're doing so you know that old saying wherever your attention is at and uh so that's how i really believe that you know we're just really needing to be on our a game right now and give these overlays less and less attention yeah we you know right now i'm subjecting myself to you know, through the computer and all this kind of stuff. Do I feel sick? No, because I'm, you know, I, the fear of course is going to make you, uh, you know, sympathetic, like you're saying with the tuna forks. Uh, on the other hand, if you're entertaining a much greater awareness and it's probably going to have a lot less effect on you. I don't know. What do you think? Yes. Yeah, so uh, the stronger, yeah. So if your body is uh, kind of running a strong harmonic, vibration then it's going to be more resilient to the effects of distortions uh, around you uh, absolutely yeah i feel it in myself actually yeah it's it's uh you know that is what we're striving for it's, it's like harmonic health you know um uh which you know could even you know when you you start looking your life when you start to think of your life uh, in terms of like frequencies uh and amplitudes just like a sine wave you know um i take something like exercise okay so exercise is a is a, a a sequence of sinusoidal movements like of your muscles right and you do it like every day for a certain period of time you know with a certain interval between it and then you you you, you know your body changes right there's a transformation in your body that happens through just the the, the repetition of those cycles of of movement um if you take something like medicine okay medicine is like dosage and frequency it's it's all about dosage and frequency you know um you know i'm partial to a, a little bit of herb you know th th there now and again um but uh you know that's something that like you you could you know if you take it every hour right you're going to get a different effect from if you take it once a day from if you take it once every three days or if you take it once every week um you know like you're going to get a different effect depending on the frequency with, with which you take it and the dosage with, with which you give it and of course something like cannabis if you're you're using it a lot you can handle really big doses so you can do like big dose big dose like really frequently but if you do it less frequently you can take smaller doses and have a bigger effect doing it mm. less frequently you know um mm -hmm. and i think yeah with medicine that is the key isn't it it's like it's not just the substance and its effect it's the frequency with which you dose it and the size of each dose right that's what's uh gonna bring bring about the change you know um so yeah i see like everything in life as being uh like that you know it's, it's all everything can be reduced to frequencies um when you really get down to it 
And in homeopathy, uh, you know, the ultimate in the old, uh, more the, the, the pure form of homeopathy with Hahnemann was to take a very high potency, very infrequently. Mm, high potency infrequently, get the, yeah. I get mean, the most dramatic effects. Yeah, I mean, consider something like ayahuasca or peyote or something, you know, it's like, yeah. you're not going to take it every day, right? It's like, but if you did it like once a year or, um, you know, even once every two years, or something like that, you, you have a very profound effect, um, you know, but if it was something you did every day, we'd, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> the idea, but, uh, I love the idea too of the sympathetic resonance in terms of, 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 of man and, men and women together in a room. So like when you're doing a DJ set and you can feel it, you can feel it on the dance floor, it's like the individual nodes of consciousness connecting connecting with mm -hmm. our fields and in that music intertwining and, and, and uh, creating like a subliminal communication where I believe there is a field and a resonance that increases and grows when we go do these things, right? Versus mm -hmm. individually listening to great music by yourself in your room. There is a specific measurable effect, I would say, by, and I think that's, we are commutative creatures. Like we need to have each other. I, uh, we can yeah, relate yeah. that to exosomes maybe and how we increase our, our ability to be healthy by communicating through these, through these um, invisible means. So I'm just interested to know like your perspective there. Have you ever had that kind of profound experience DJing where you can feel the field or have any kind of uh, psychedelic experience or whatnot, where um, you feel that resonance within a community kind of aspect there? Because I know I have yeah. DJing before. I've felt that like energetic field of harmonic resonance with through everybody kind of in the same zone together feeling the beat together and feeling the mm -hmm. harmonics. It's really quite an amazing uh -huh. experience. It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. I do miss it, man. It's been a, it's been a few years. So, but uh, we got to yeah, get you I back mean... out there a few years. Damn, man. <laughs> I just DJed last weekend. I'm trying to play now once or twice a month now. I, yeah. gotta, I, gotta. I think I need to start something locally. It's, it's kind of weird. I'm like, I'm an international act, which means that I have no fans in my home country. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, like literally like i mean maybe about five i think including my three children <laughs> so you gotta get the, bag, uh, you gotta get the bagpipes out bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, like, i've got to travel like five thousand miles to find a few hundred people who will dance to my music you know but uh um it's uh just the, i guess the way it is but i i, I would I, i've been thinking about starting something locally um like an ecstatic dance you know so mm -hmm. in hawaii this was uh big thing that was like, new to me there and i think probably one of the things that kept me there for so long uh, like two, two, over two and a half years i was there was the ecstatic dance um which there was two that we'd run every week one on thursday night one on a sunday morning uh and i was a regular guest uh at both of those and you know Steve, when I explain, to people, ex explain ecstatic dance to our audience who may not thank know. you yeah <laughs> so I would find when I was telling people about ecstatic dance, they'd kind of look at me a bit funny and, and, you know, they, they, you know, some people were like, how, you know, what's it? Yeah. How they think it was a particular type of dance, you know, that you had to learn, like, you know, an ecstatic quite dance or whatever. Quite the it's opposite. Like, <laughs> I thought it was yeah, like no, the so, funky chicken. <laughs> yeah. Um, it can't no, be. So, I mean, the format is, you know, it's, it's one DJ uh, and it's two or three hours and there's no alcohol and there's no talking on the dance floor okay and, that, and that's that's really it there's no bar 
and there's no talking on the dance floor. And, you know, as a DJ, this is absolutely groundbreaking because so often we're, we find ourselves in these nightclubs where everyone is stood there with a beer talking to their mate while listening to your music, right? And, and, and you just, <laughs> it's just this wall of like people shouting, coming at me over the top of the music, you know? And, and this, would, this is very common in nightclubs, not as common in festivals. But in nightclubs, everyone's just like drinking and talking and you know, the music is almost like secondary to the drinking, right? And the socializing. So with uh, ecstatic dance, it's the opposite, it's right? It's like, yeah, you can socialize, but go and sit in the back room and do it. Don't do it on the dance floor, right? It's the dance floor is not for socializing, it's for dancing. Yeah, you gotta respect people's space. And, um, you know, so then as a DJ, like actually guiding people through an entire evening, like a three hour journey, from beginning to end, one DJ, um, and then there would be a sharing circle at the end of it. So um, people would sit down and share their experience, and it was just mind blowing. What, it, what, what it's doing the best for me is my it's, life, man. Yeah, it's putting the DJ as the shaman, and yes. and you're having a shamanic journey. I've, I've I've had the opportunity to play a couple of these, and we're actually starting a, an ecstatic dance here in um. You know, we have a community called that we've started on Telegram called the North Coast uh, Sovereign Bodies Group. And we're going to be doing a monthly static dance on the beach uh, with the bond, well, you know, drum circles, even maybe in integrating some live instrumentation. But that's the same thing. No talking. It's all about the music. It's all about your expression with the music. And what's nice yeah. about it is it frees you up because some people in the club, the reason why they're drinking is because they're too shy to 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 let loose and dance because they're afraid of what people think about them. And with ecstatic dance, it's the opposite. It's like, no, there's no judgment. It's you let go and you you're free. You're free to do whatever you want is your expression with the music. And I'm telling you, it's so liberating. So yeah. it's amazing. Man, honestly, there was times it was like the it was like the roof was actually going to come off, man. Like people were just just going at it so hard and crying and just, you know, and I got better and better at kind of like just constructing that three hour journey, you know, starting from just total ambient bliss and working up through slow beats and half time and into like house and techno and you know getting up to the drum and bass and you know bring it back down like over like a three hour period um and people would just be literally just ecstatic man the the, the roof would be just like coming off you know and uh, and then they sit down and share at the end of it profound uh, realizations and experiences they had and uh you know healing it was like a, a healing circle and you know, just on the shamanic healing thing. So th this is what I realized, like when I started doing the, the shamanic ceremonies and so on, I experienced some some real healing. I had, I had some severe stomach problems, which were had been bugging me for years. I would often like after eating a meal about 20 minutes later, I'd be like in the bathroom on the floor, literally holding my stomach in pain, not knowing what the hell caused it, it different foods and everything. Anyway, I went to an ayahuasca ceremony and I, I went in with the intention of healing my stomach. I had a profound experience and a series of visions that changed my life and uh, never had that stomach pain ever again. Right. Uh, that's yeah. it was just like gone. Um, and I, I witnessed many other people have similar such healing experiences, like genuine healing experiences. I'm like, so what is going on here that, 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 that this can happen? And, and the way I break it down is the shaman uses three things, essentially plants, um, music and prayer right there's plants music and prayer like that those are like the sort of holy trinity of shamanic healing right you you take the plant medicine but it's not just 
it's not just, you know, you don't just pick the plant out of the ground and eat it, right? It's like it's prepared with intention, it's prepared with prayer. The shaman is praying while he's preparing the medicine. Um, and and the medicine the medicine is administered, yeah. The music is then played while the medicine is active in the body. And the shaman is obviously praying and singing and and you know throughout the throughout the ceremony as well. Now I wasn't dozing people at ecstatic dances, of course. They were dozing themselves, but uh, <laughs> um, you know because alcohol wasn't uh, alcohol wasn't permitted, um, people would either come sober or you know maybe they would microdose uh, some plant medicines. And so um, yeah, it would just uh, I, I realized this like plants music and prayer like are like this like sacred trinity that just when you bring them together and you do it right the result is is just like absolutely magical you know you can get all kinds of healing experiences and and magical things happening when you you, you kind of bring that together in the right way with the right intent you know and, yeah. and so the, indi- the indigenous people knew that yeah. obviously that yeah. there was a rite of passage there even and you look at the native americans for instance in north america of course they would do i have friends here that yurok and they have a tradition where though when someone's ill they'll do a dance circle for three days straight where they just they go around this person who's ill the whole entire tribe the whole entire village and they dance and they um sing and they chant until that person is healed yeah 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 uh absolutely i mean and, and you know when you think about that you you think about and in contrast to like modern like allopathic pharmaceutical rockefeller medicine or whatever you want to call it like you know can you imagine a doctor praying for you or uh you know <laughs> prescribing music or you know imagine a doctor actually sitting with you throughout the night praying for you in every moment and singing for you i mean come on like they only get 10 no, minutes of course with you not. man yeah, it's like you know what's uh, the most amazing thing to me. You know your uh, description of your your stomach issues going away. Of course, uh, um, a modern medic would say, "Oh, that's placebo." Yeah. But then they never go to the next level. You know, they're admitting placebo, but then never really delving into well, what the hell is placebo? Which is yeah, which is exactly what we're talking about. I think I had a few moments in the '60s um, of what you guys are describing, but I can't really remember. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of that. Yeah, uh, it's hard to remember experiences in other realms. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kind of kidding because. Uh, well, I think we did have some moments uh, back in those days, you know, of what you're describing. I think right now, though, it's more of a conscious next stage of evolution of what uh, really devolved after a while and turned into the disco of the '70s, right? Even though I, I do love yeah. disco. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, this is it, and I think like when you just when you trace back when I look with alchemy and shamanism, like they're, they're kind of like tightly, you know, knitted together. Um, and they, they, they form the root of all like religion and art and science, you know, it, it, they're like, you can't interpret, you, you, uh, you can interpret reality, but also interpret scripture and science and everything in terms of alchemy It all. So it goes back. It's like the common core, um, the, the common root of, art religion and science um and uh i think once you embrace the the four elements and the three principles and uh, the two genders um uh, and all this and you see this you know this picture it's uh 
it, it just explains everything in a way that you can actually work with it you know not not um like like string theory or something which apparently explains everything in a way that nobody can understand or or do anything with you know like it, it's like it's an actual gonna, workable science yeah i was gonna ask you how this works with 47 pronouns but we'll leave that for another day <laughs> yeah. um well, this has been amazing. So what, uh, anything, um, you know, we've been here for a while and I could talk all day to you, but uh, any final kind of topics or things you'd like to talk about? Guys, can I just, uh, one thing that uh, I haven't shared that I think will just blow your mind a little bit. Just let me put the screen share on here. Um, uh, this is actually my album artwork, uh, which uh, it's not the artwork I'm saying it's going to blow your mind, but you, you recognize this symbol. Have you seen this symbol before? Mm -hmm. I, I added in a few extra circles. I put a circle there, there, uh, and, and these little circles. But this, this symbol here is the symbol for the philosopher's stone in alchemy. Mm -hmm. It's like an ancient symbol which represents the philosopher's stone. Um, and so I wanted to use it in my album, The Philosopher's Tone, which uh, I, I, you know, I'd come up with this idea, The Philosopher's Tone, which is obviously sounds the same as The Philosopher's Stone. And with everything being tones and vibration, I thought maybe there's something in that. Um, so I, I, I used this symbol in my artwork. And it wasn't until maybe like the day before the release, right? I was just like doing the finishing touches. And I realized... <clears throat> The 432 is like right in there. So the square is representative of the number four. The triangle is representative mm -hmm. of the number three. And the circle is one. But there's two circles. Mm. There's a big circle and an inner circle. So that's the two, right? So you, it's right there in the symbol of the philosopher's stone. It's a wow. representation of the number 432. Um, that is amazing. And I also love the, sublimin yeah. the subliminal ad of the flat horizon there. That's nice. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, man. Uh, wow. That is cool. That is That's very crazy. Cool. Hey, it's uh, and it was called, it, it was called philosopher's pitch, right? It went through a, a few different names. Uh, it was called like uh, scientific pitch also, or the philosopher's pitch. And that's why I, mm -hmm. I, I read that like philosopher's pitch. I'm like philosopher's pitch, philosopher's tone. And then I'm like, look at the symbol for philosopher's tone. And right there, geometrically encoded in the symbol is the number 432. No other numbers. Like, literally, it's the square is four, the triangle is three, and then you got two circles. Wow. That's it. It's 432 in the philosopher's stone. So um, that is a really cool yeah. syncretism, syncretism there. Geometry, baby. So, it's all about geometry. Yep. Yeah. Hey, uh, in which yeah. water the uh, a cosahedron, isn't it? The, yeah. Oh yes. Uh, yeah, the, it all gets down to you know resonance yeah. creating, geometry creating, form and function, and it's uh, you know the more you get into it, the simpler it gets, and it's uh, kind of amazing how we haven't. It's taken so long to see what's in front of our face, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right there, it's really satisfying when you gather, though. I mean, they say the truth will set will set you free. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think it does. Like, I think a lot of people are afraid to let go of these theories because they're they're comfortable or, um, you know, maybe they've they've built, uh, you know, maybe they've built up their life on the back of some of these ideas. 
Um, but you know, when you when you just do like that guy, like that nuclear physicist, when you you just say, "All right," <laughs> um, I, I can admit I was I was wrong. I was misinformed. Uh, you know, um, and uh, that it's so freeing. It, it's so freeing, and uh, I've had to do that many times in my life. You know, just admit that I was I was wrong. Um, and now I've come to a place where I'm actually really very sure about what I know. You see, I wasn't sure about what I knew all those years ago. I was just repeating what I've been taught, you know, <laughs> just like repeat the right answer. Yeah. And then, you know, th then that's, you know, just try to sound like, you know, what you're talking about. It's like fake it to make it almost, you know. But now it's like I'm very, very sure about what I know. Um, it's there's a, just a solidity to the knowledge. Uh, I just see everything playing out. I don't see anything that contradicts my understanding of reality um in fact i just see more and more evidence that you know this is how it and is what's, what's what's wonderful is this kind of investigation it never ends it just yeah. keeps Beautiful. getting more yeah. and more fun more discovery every single day and i'm pretty confident that we'll never have to shake hands with bill gates <laughs> yeah. well he's i like, don't know I what think... you might catch hey <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think he's like a holographic entity anyways. I mean, we all are in some respects, but he's like a digital fake one. Yeah, you're not going to see Fauci go, oh, I was wrong, I admit it, because I don't think they're even human, really. So I think that is part of the human condition is being able to admit we're wrong and, and uh, let go of ego. I think that's an amazing way to end this cast today is that that's an amazing reminder, something we should all factor in in our daily lives. It's okay to be wrong right it's uh yeah 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 and uh, i find there's a lot of people that yeah they're afraid of being wrong but it's, it's like i say they're not actually wrong they're just misinformed and they're holding on to the, the misinformation uh you know and just afraid to let it go for uh, usually like egotistical reasons or reasons of pride um or perhaps even like fear of what 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 if they let it go you know what if they let go of these tears then what's there you know what's left and uh well, I would say that what's left is earth, air, fire, and water. <laughs> Once you let go of all the bullshit you've been taught to believe, like what is left is earth, air, fire, and water, your body, your mind, your spirit. Like, you know, it's not a theory. It's phenomena. You know, it's actually phenomena. Yeah. There is, there and is it something allows to us to be, it allows us to be co-creators because we get out of our minds and just, you know, life gets pretty, uh, pretty cool at that point. So Steve, I'm a, I'm a big fan, as I've said, and I'm going to be following all your creations. Love it. And uh, anytime you want to come back and uh, chat again, always love to have you. Uh, yeah, it'd be absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. I feel like we barely scratched the surface of where we need to go with this, all this, um, these different topics. I mean, we really covered a full spectrum here, but I'd love to talk more about radioactivity in the future. I'd love to talk about um, thermodynamics and your, and your um, position on entropy and really this idea of what this system is. Um, I mean, everything is physics, right? That is the core foundational mm. um, science behind how we understand this realm. And um, I, I love geeking out on it. I know Bear does too. So love to have you back more. Um, I will put show links uh, beneath this uh, here. We will be uploading this. And sorry on Be Sovereign. I guess I set it for two hours and it literally at the 12 o'clock thing cut us off. So we're now just on DLive and Odyssey and Fakebook right now. So I'll, we'll still work in that. It was our first time streaming on Be Sovereign, but thanks for everybody who was in there on the chat. 
We appreciate you guys going uh, going with us over there to that new platform. Um, but we will be posting this on uh, on DweebTube uh, as well because people still are on there. Um, but please, guys, go to Be Sovereign uh, and start uh, supporting us on these alternative channels. It's very important. So BeSovereign.com. And then, of course, go support uh, Steve's work here at Head. Is it HeadFlux.com? Is, is that correct, Steve? Yeah. Yeah, HeadFlux.com. Um, all my music can be listened or, or bought there. Um, and I have a membership site as well. It's five pounds a month. You can cancel any time. Uh, I do live streams uh, like every month and there's a whole, whole bunch. There's like probably about 30, 40 hours of content on there on audio alchemy and music production and uh, yeah, various other things. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, one of the great, um, you know, enterprising aspects of this um, decentralized uh, to technological revolution we are experiencing is the bedroom, bedroom producer and uh, where it used to take um, a lot of money and uh, a lot of uh, access to be able to produce great music. You can now do it in your bedroom with a little know-how and a bit of technology. And so thank you, uh, Steve, for helping um, fellow bedroom producers and people mm -hmm. I know uh, uh, to better greatness uh, with, their, with their musical talents. Uh, it's a great service. And um, we are very lucky to have you in this realm and we can't wait to have you back on the show. So thanks again. Uh for joining us today and hopefully sometime you can make it back to the States so we can have you play. I'd love to have you headline one of the nights at music and sky, which is out here in California. So one of these days um, as uh, hopefully maybe it's an independent airline or some way that you can make your way back here across the pond. We would love to have you perform. It would be uh, an, uh, an incredible, incredible night. I know. So uh, I hope so. And, uh, um, yeah. I would yeah. love to connect as well with you in person and and uh, and all this wonderful community that you've you've built up, built up through these podcasts and uh, through just yeah courageously representing uh, true science and uh, alternative thinkers and um, uh, thank you so much for your service and, and everything you've done. Uh, I feel very lucky to have connected with you and to be part of this network. Beautiful, brother. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, guys. And thanks, everybody, for joining us today. If you resonated with this, please give us a like, a share with your family and friends. Uh, it really helps us spread this information out to more as um, people are waking up left and right right now. It's a very exciting time, and we're seeing it with our growth. So thank you guys for all the support. And as we always end the show, remember to get outside, get your feet in the ground, go plant something, go for a hike. Mother Nature is the best teacher she is here mm -hmm. for us and we are here for her. Love you guys. And we will see you next week. We've got Mike Donio coming to talk about um, uh, amazing breakdowns of the scientism and, and the flaws of the peer review system. So that'll be great with this. And then we've got um, Dana Martin coming to talk about unschooling. Uh, and then on March 5th, I think it's March 5th, we're having a special Monday show with the great David Icke. So we will have David Icke on AlphaCast in a, in a couple of weeks. Wow. So um, yes, wow. going to be a good month. <laughs> We're so. going to be delving into the Magellan effect a little bit too in the near future, right? Yes, yes. In fact, I think that might be the next week. We, we're going into, um, uh, well, all of the good stuff about time and distortion. Everything's tying into what we talked about today. So um, yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay, guys. Thanks. Have a beautiful day. Thanks for joining us later. You. Love you all. Much love.